Welcome to Maximizing Life in the Middle, a podcast featuring two people consciously living and loving as husband and wife, parents, and individuals working to make the most out of their lives. I'm Jay Taylor. And I am Aaron Taylor, and we are so happy that you are spending some time with us today. Maximizing Life in the Middle podcast. My name is Aaron Taylor, and I'm here with my husband, Jay Taylor. And we are happy to have you with us. Yes, very excited to finally get this grand new venture started, our our baby. Yes, we have been working on this, well, in our minds. We've been talking about this for about a year, so it's happy, it's fun to get it started. So, let's start with the labels. <laughs> the labels. I am a parent coach, a mom, and a co-owner of a company called Building Connected Communities, which helps other parent coaches and therapists and coaches of all kinds. And I am a financial advisor, uh, as well as a comic book artist, publisher, creator, Uh, owner of a comic book company called onthesquarecomics.com. That's the website, On The Square Comics is the name of the company. Uh, I am a dad. Uh, I am an avid volleyball player, coach, savant. Junkie. Junkie. Volleyball junkie. uh, You know, uh, I guess that's my, my primary group of my labels, so... Okay, so now that we have that out of the way, let's tell our listeners why we decided to do this podcast. Yeah, so I I don't know what your thoughts were initially about this, but the thing that I the thing I think kind of tags back most easily to me is um, a group of Facebook Live and Periscope videos that we did. A year ago. A year ago, I guess we started, where we basically just uh, came to the conclusion that we wanted to share uh, some of the um, joys and tribulations, mainly joys, of what was, uh, we felt, a pretty good way that we worked together to try and strive to maximize uh, life as we approached what, what we hope is a nice long middle section of of our lives and all the various joys and complications that go along with raising kids, running uh, multiple businesses, uh, working from home, uh, rearing dogs, having small critters, small critters, uh, all those various things. And and uh, having a nice marriage, a healthy marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe it goes without saying, but it doesn't go without saying is that that's kind of the foundation of it all, the the sign that hangs over our door that says, all oh, because two people fell in love. So certainly I think that, that that's what, what originally kind of started this for me. And then when we saw the response from 
I would say mainly people in your audience, though a few people who uh, were, you know, people who are fans of mine or friends of mine or whatever saw the stuff and, and appreciate it. I think uh, the response from the folks who are in your audience really kind of... Uh, encouraged us. Yeah, encouraged us and invigorated us with the idea that, hey, we had something valuable to say. And that we that had could help some, people. Yeah, to share with people and, and that could uh, could serve as uh, something to give to people. So that's what that's what when I think about why are we doing this, that's what I think about. Well, what I think about is pretty much the same thing. And I also know for me, the desire to help people has been something that I, I, I don't remember a time in my life when I didn't want to help other people. It's just in the fabric of my being. And so when we got that encouraging response from those people last year, it really made me think, wow, we, we certainly aren't perfect, as no one on this planet is. And we don't have all the answers, but we have a lot of ingredients and a lot of tools that help to make a successful life. And if we've got some things figured out that could help other people as they're trying to figure stuff out in their own lives, then to me it almost seems selfish not to share it, not to share those ideas and what we've figured out or what's worked yeah. over our lifetimes. And the that, you know... It's communication, right, which is what this is, right? It's we're now trying to talk about how we communicate and communicate that to other people and get that message broadly out there. We spend a lot of time, have always spent a lot of time talking, maybe sometimes obsessively so. Um, Why? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, to each other, to our kids, um, Two friends, uh, Aaron will be the first to talk about how to. There it goes again. How to talk. But we'll be the first to talk about how when she found the tribe of people in the past five years or so of uh, the group surrounding um, her work as a parent coach and, and through building connected communities, those people where she could have deep and meaningful conversations that get really to the heart of, of a matter. And, you know, you're not afraid to open up, be vulnerable, you know, which, you know, for guys, it's like, what? What are you talking about? Um, and say what you really think and feel without necessarily worrying about the response of the other person, trusting that that person's response is going to view you in the most positive light possible and not react to what you're saying you know, without doing it through the prism of, well, I know what this person's, you know, uh, heart, thought processes, all those things are, you know, and that's something that as, as a couple, we've always sort of done, right? We always said, okay, well, you know, we're going to say what we say and we're going to understand the place that it comes from. And it's always from a standpoint of, okay, well, I know we have the best interests of what we're trying to do together at heart. And so if something you said you vehemently disagree with, you still view it from that perspective. Yes, trying to take the other person's viewpoints into 
consideration, I think is a huge, valuable thing when you're communicating, either with your spouse or with any other person, your child, your friend, your neighbor, whoever, trying to see the world through their eyes to the degree that you can is always helpful in helping you to understand or try to understand where they're coming from or why they feel the way they do about something or what their their perspective is. And, and even to the point of saying, well, you know, when we when we listen to other people and we, they talk, there's always a risk of, you know, what I say might really fly in the face. That might upset that other person. It might... Um, it might uh, be something that they don't want to hear, but if you can do it from a perspective of hold this, hold this germane in your mind between the two of us is that no matter what, you have my best interests at heart. Yes, as do you for me. And so if you're saying, hey, you know, you're... <laughs> You haven't been to the gym lately a whole heck of a lot. Uh, you know, it can be read as understood of, yeah, you know what? It might be that I let myself get a little out of shape over the winter, but it's only because you know that come the summer, I'm going to be wondering why I play in a volleyball tournament and I'm not doing as well as I want. Or one of us might say in a kind of semi-joking manner, like, oh, you didn't have enough water today, which means... Hey, your breast kind of stinks. Mm-hmm. But or yeah. you're awfully grouchy or, yeah. Any wow, of those what is going on with you today? But it has, but it always or usually comes from a standpoint of recognizing that the other person's only saying that. Whereas you could, if you were in a different situation, you might react to that. You might go, oh, what do you mean I'm grouchy? You know, that kind of stuff. Whereas it usually helps us, usually I say helps us to self-identify and say yeah i am in a grouchy mood and it's because 20 minutes ago i wanted this to happen and instead this other thing happened where it didn't work out and now i'm annoyed about it so yeah. it's spilling over into so other now things. i'm yelling because the dishes are piled improperly or the you know there's hair from the dog all over the wood floors and how come he's blowing out hair when he's a short-haired dog? What's going on? So, yeah, so that communication and that ability to kind of uh, work, help the other person sort of work through things in the most open way is, I think, one of the key things that um, we have that's beneficial. I think another thing that cannot be understated, overstated, yeah, I always say that could. backwards, cannot be overstated, is the benefit right, the you're, you're done. Of, You've already understated it. Yeah. Well. The importance of mindfulness. Right. So, I mean, there's so many different elements that go into it, but developing a relationship where you trust that the other person's comments or feedback are coming from a a true authentic desire to hold your best interests in mind that that you have to develop over time Uh, and and then having um working at becoming as you know ever more mindful about yourself learning about yourself learning who you are what your triggers are 
why you say or do or think the things you do, where it comes from in your past, and really just understanding yourself more and being more aware. Um, Eckhart Tolle talks about this. My friend and mentor, Dr. Shafali, talks about this. Not just being the person who is doing the talking, but being the observer of the person who's doing the talking. So when you are interacting with someone, not just being so caught up in that interaction that you don't have any higher thought process about it, you're just reacting, reacting, reacting. That's how arguments snowball out of nowhere. You know, people find themselves in an argument and say, how did this happen? I was just asking you a simple question, and now we're yelling at each other. What, what just happened? That's because the two people who are involved most likely are being triggered by each other, but they're not observing their own selves in that interaction. They're just in it, and they're reacting. Whereas if they kind of rise above themselves and observe what's happening, that separation between themselves and what's going on can help them to understand what am I doing? Or, or just to ask that question, what am I doing? Why am I yelling over that? What could be going on with that other person that they're yelling at me? I don't understand. I think your background as a uh, psychologist. Or a therapist. Or a therapist. Has, has always actually been about that. Because I can think back to almost as long as we've known each other where... And early on, I did not take it as a positive. Which we've known each other since we were 18. So we uh, should tell our yeah. listeners that. We've, we've known each other since we were 18, and we're we're in the middle right uh, now. Uh, I'll just admit it. We're 44. Uh, we're 44. So, um, but I know that early on that we used to, I used to even occasionally have a uh, negative response where I would say, stop analyzing me. Yes. And that triggered you deeply. Yeah, because I felt like at times, at that time, I felt that you were, you were constantly sitting back and speaking over here, but that other part of your brain was looking at my reaction to your words and um, trying to piece the, you know, trying to say, well, okay, well, this is because X happened when you were a kid or because or this morning or or this morning or whenever it happened again in the past and it it didn't it 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 bothered me because to me that felt like you were trying at that point well we were in college and i was a psychology major or even 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 after that too it felt like there was some sensibility of you were trying to game it like Use it as a weapon. Yeah, weaponize it like, oh, well, I know your response is going to be this because of that, so I'm kind of coming back at you and saying this is why you're responding that way. Out over time, I came to realize that not only were you doing that to me as the person you were speaking to, but you were also, or maybe you've improved at this. Definitely. Doing it for yourself at the same time. Yes. Not only looking at, okay, where are the responses of this person coming from who's talking to me, but also saying, where are my responses coming from inside of me? And that, you know, the whole thing of mindfulness, both, I think I'm very mindful when we are conversing, when we're talking, when we're 
uh, interacting on some subject that might be contentious at times to understand that mindfulness thing. Um, I think it becomes infinitely harder <laughs> for anyone, I would say probably for you too, um, when you start to talk about uh, those other little uh, cherubs in our lives, our children, because they have a great ability, at least for me, to get right to the things that would trigger me to come off that path of mindfulness. So, you know, they will, you know, our, our youngest who is, uh, he can, a I will. A carbon copy of you. A little bit, though. Um, we'll see how that progresses out over time. You don't want to pigeonhole anybody. No, but he definitely has your personality tendencies. He's very yeah. intense. Yes. He's very quick to respond or react. He's emotional. Yeah. He's got a lot of your qualities. And he is also, he knows how, he has a sensibility or he knows how to in ways or just his ways themselves could trigger me, right? Well, his obstinate, his at times very... He digs his heels he in. He digs his heels in in a very verbal and confrontational way. Well, you know, I want to point this out too, and you'll find, our listeners will find that I will probably quote Dr. Shafali incessantly because I admire and respect her so much. But um, As do I. Yes, you do too. Um, so our kids, we sometimes feel as parents like, oh my gosh, they push our buttons. They know my buttons and they push it. Why do they keep pushing my buttons? And she says that the exact children came into our lives to show us where it is we need to grow as parents and as people. And no one will take, and she also says, no one will bring you to the call of your ego the way your kids will. And so when our youngest digs his heels in and has his intense response or reaction to something, that triggers you. But it's not like he's sitting there calculating like, mm, I know how to get under dad's skin and push his buttons. I'm no, just going to, I'm just going to dig just my being heels who he in. Is. Right. He's just being who he is. And, and, Dr. Shafali would say, and I completely agree, that he came into your particular life. He, he, that child himself, came to us because he is here to show you where it is you need to grow. Just the same as I think our daughter came to our lives to show me where it is I need to grow. And I think our oldest son came into our lives to grow us both up. I think he has grown both of us up. So um, uh, I want to make that point, though, that our kids don't, they're not like calculating, like, I know how to right. push their buttons. Right. It's just them being them, but the particular child came to us to push, to, to show us where it is we need to look a little deeper and grow up. True. Yeah, I mean, the, the I am by nature, you know, a conflict seeker maybe a little bit no you're just not a conflict avoider i'm not a conflict avoider. i don't think you seek it i don't, I don't think it. you start it but you won't you don't easily i don't walk easily away walk from away from conflict um and 
nothing nothing will exacerbate that tendency more in me than a nine-year-old he's not 10 yet even though we celebrated his birthday two days earlier yesterday saying i will not do that do thing x how about how about signing up for blah 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 activity i will not play that sport it's with zero thought on his part either what he said but he's not pressing your buttons He's right. just being him. He's just being him, and his his immediate intention is he wants to say no. Yeah, I will not do that. I will not do that. Emphasis on not. <laughs> and it's like a it's like a cartoon version, like yeah. you know, like a red filter drops over my eyes when this <laughs> nine year old is taking such complete control of his destiny with zero thought on his part and say, no way, I'm not going there, I don't care. And he'll repeat it multiple times as you give him reasoned (laughs) responses. But can I also make a point there? You said you feel the red filter go over your eyes because you're seeing red as your nine-year-old takes control of his destiny. So let's let's make sure that I I think that was a good choice of words there because he is trying to take charge of his destiny and why shouldn't he? Yes, and he absolutely should. That's what we want. Right. But as we have seen, you've got a great way of dealing with him. Because he's not the one who's come to me to grow me up. Right. He's not. He's not on your. Um, he's not on your uh, idiosyncrasy or whatever. Whatever word we whatever word you want to use to describe that. He's he not. Doesn't press my button. He's not pressing that button on you. So you'll just sit there and go, uh huh, absolutely, great. Yeah, that's fine. You don't have to do that. And then, and what then happens? Fifteen it. minutes later. If it's a reasonable thing, he'll come around to doing it. He's doing it. And he's doing it, in some cases, happily and gladly. And no no need for punishment, no argument, no threats, no nothing. Right. Nothing. Just because I understand, oh, here he is digging his heels in. If I meet that resistance with my own resistance, we're going to have an eruption of a volcano. And like the, what is it, the atom bomb where it goes into like a mushroom cloud? Yeah, we're going to have that in front of us. But for him, if we just, um, if we just allow him to express himself and say, I am not doing it, allow that kind of energy to pass through him and through the room, many times it will just pass right out the door and be gone. And then we can move on with our day. Now, sometimes, though, if he says, I am not. There's no amount of cajoling. No, but, I mean, maybe he's not supposed to do that. Maybe we're not supposed to force him. So I think we have to back off, not be triggered by that word N-O-T, and just allow it to play out as it will. You know, when we're talking about an activity or a sport or a whatever, and he says, I am not doing it, sometimes if we don't react to it, he'll eventually come around to agreeing to it, and sometimes he won't. And if he is, if we have not pushed his buttons by digging our heels in, and he continues that stance of, I'm not doing it, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, then I think, you know, it's important to honor that 
that's just not for him or he's scared or he's not ready or he doesn't know what to expect. Maybe another conversation would help and maybe it won't. But as soon as that red filter goes over your eyes, you no longer are, the adult has left the room. Yep. And that is definitely something that I, back to where we started with this, the idea of mindfulness, that is where my sense of mindfulness uh, fails me to this point. And, you know, we're in a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. It'll get better, and it has gotten better, to continue to recognize that, okay, he has now dropped the bomb. He's dropped the hammer, the, the, the no, not hammer. The not bomb. Yeah. He's dropped the not bomb, <laughs> which we just coined that phrase. Um, I now need to, in some cases, exit the room, exit the conversation, turn it over to you. And I, I think you're getting much better at that. Yeah. And we both, generally speaking, are, which when we were younger parents, well, we were not good at this. But now we're yeah. very much like we're tag team wrestlers, the tag team wrestling, you know, a parenting. Yeah. I could coin that term as a phrase also. Tag yeah. team wrestling pairing, tag team parenting, where we definitely will say, okay, you know what? We'll make an announcement from the top of the balcony of the upstairs. You'll come out of somebody's room and you'll go... Your turn. Your turn. I need to tag and get out of this because... And we don't even need... We're at the point where we don't even need an explanation. You don't even have to know... If I come out of our daughter's room... I did it like two weeks ago and I said, Okay, it's your turn. And I don't have to explain to you what's going on. I don't have to rant and rave. I don't have to anything. She doesn't even have to know why I'm exiting the room. And you don't even have to know. You just you just pick up the slack and you step in and you handle it and you relieve me of that situation. And the same you for me. Sometimes we will ask the other person, tag me out because I, right. I need an exit plan here. But sometimes if we're too triggered in it and we can't see it, the other one of us will come in and say, you know what, I, I'll get, I got this from here. And then we just let them leave. Right. Whereas when we were younger... And we were trying to do that tag teaming. I think when one of us was trying to bail the other one out, the other one feeling already, but feeling already triggered by the child now was added a doubly triggered by the other parent. Like, you think I can't handle this and you're trying to let me off the hook? How dare you? I got this. Meanwhile, the adult has left the room and nobody's got it because everybody's upset and nothing productive is happening. Right. And the kid... You know, is is the, the the child is continuing to suffer because once it gets down to the point of you in that mode with your child, it's back to the shafaliism of look at your interactions. Are what you're doing is it a building lost? connection? Is it building a connection with your kid, or is it sev- uh Severing or disconnecting. Severing or disconnecting you from your your child. And my point would be that, you know, any time you find yourself in an argument with your child, you're probably working your way around to severing the connection with your child. And that is what happens when that filter drops over or when those buttons are pushed too much or when any of those various little um, examples of things that we're talking about occurs. Um, so 
I just wanted to ask one th or say or ask one thing about that. Um, two weeks ago or so, when I asked you to come finish bedtime up and tag me out, I, I was feeling very triggered, and I knew before it got any worse or before the interaction went downhill, I needed to exit. So you took care of it. But when I removed myself from the situation, I then went and sat quietly and tried to figure out what the heck is going on. Why am I so upset in this moment? And and the real the realization that I had was that she's 12 now, and so she's in that tween transitional phase where she's starting to have a, a stronger, louder voice of her own and her own ideas, and she's not, not just saying, oh, okay, that sounds like a great idea, Mommy, to everything I suggest. Sometimes she's saying, well, wait, I actually thought we should do it this way or I wanted to do that instead of this. And so sometimes I'm still getting triggered by that. I'm, I'm still working through um, kind of catching up to where she is developmentally. So sometimes yeah. I find that her needing to speak louder is, you know, have more of a voice is triggering me. So... Do you do that too? Like if you ask me to bail you out, tag you out, or if I kind of give you the exit door and take over, do you then go away and also try to figure out what in the heck went wrong there? I do, but I also know that inevitably in, in those situations that you're going to come to me as soon as you're done with whoever, Brady, typically, and say to me, What's going on? <laughs> like, you know, much like uh, much like our oldest would say, I'm not getting away with no conversation, right? And so, you know, in those moments, a lot of times, and I am by I think general uh, acclimation, probably the more volatile, uh, emotional, <laughs> uh, sparky, whatever you want to use that that term between the two of us, I'm more likely to have to have that longer cool down period I think so for me I do I think leave the room and start to think about how it went but I know that many times I still find myself even by the time you come back and we talk I'm still yeah but he and and he shouldn't and and all those things that in a moment right now as we sit here and we talk and we're very much discussing this I understand that he wants to exert his own personal agency his on sovereignty. his life. Yes. yes. But my, you know, non-rational brain wants to be like, no, I'm the dad, he's the son, and when my dad told me, I did. I didn't talk back. I didn't, you know, certainly not at nine going on ten, say no I will not do that you know that that never happened that that wasn't even a consideration um so and then some little tiny piece of me still longs for that kind of time though I recognize that it's not it's not evolved it's not the way you know we would want to be and it's not necessarily a great thing for them going forward it certainly seems at times like it might be easier if you could just lay down fiat law and say to your kids no you're going to some practice. I don't want to hear it. You're going and have that be the way, but it's not the environment that we want to foster for the kids. So, Yes. 
So I see that we're coming up just about 31 minutes, and I think this has been a fun first episode to talk about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And this kind of discussion is what our listeners can expect to hear from us. Sometimes I think we will cover particular topics, uh, specific topics. Sometimes we'll talk about just ways of relating to each other, to our kids, to life. Sometimes we'll talk about um, how we manage to do... This is another thing I'm going to say. How you manage to have it all without actually having it all. How to feel like you have everything you want, but not having all of it. Because if you have all of it, you'll be so burned out and stressed out, you won't be able to stand it. So I think, you know, it's going to be important to talk about that concept, how to have all that you want in your life, how to create the life that you want without having to have it all. Because all of it might not apply to you. Yeah, and we've we've spent an awful lot of time trying to figure out which things belong in our life, which things we want to embrace and uh, nurture, and which things we just say, that's not me right now. It might be me later on. It might have been me at one point, but right now it's not me. And so, you know, and it's there's still times where there's ongoing things where we talk about, oh, well, it's a you thing you really want it and it'd be great if it was still an us thing at times but it's it's not you know church springs the mind which you know dangerous to talk about religion i guess but mm-hmm. um yeah I, I think the conversations that will be varied it won't all necessarily be about kids so they're a huge part of our lives and uh you know but jobs work sports Exercise. Creativity, exercise. Living a healthy life. All those things. Dealing with tricky people in our lives. Yep. How to figure out what to keep and what to get rid of activity-wise or even Mm, (laughs) people-wise. Who knows? So thank you all for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed our very first episode. And we are going to, if you stick around for another minute or two, we're going to tell you about a special offer that we have for our listeners. To thank you for listening to our podcast, we would like to put you in a special drawing. Everyone who subscribes to our podcast and gives us a review on iTunes before we post episode eight will be entered into a drawing to win either a copy of my book, Connection and Kindness, The Key to Changing the World Through Parenting, or copies of the full library of On the Square Comics publications, including the sold-out first print of Centralia No. 1, the Spring Anthology, and my 2016 sketchbook. The winners will be announced in Episode 9. Good luck.